Greetings, you are now listening to the McCuffey Croncast. Stand by for your hosts, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni. They will be discussing your favorite baseball squadron, the San Francisco Giants. Take it away, Brian and Doug. Okay, it's Monday, June 5th, and the Giants are still a professional baseball team, so we're going to talk about them. Doug, how are you doing? Look, I don't, I don't, they're just, I'm sorry, I just watch a Giants game, what do you expect from me? <laughs> I can't, I can't pretend to be interested. The Giants are so bad that to watch them and try to talk about them, it, it's like you get cast in a depression spell, like you can't, there's nothing good about them, but we're going to find something about them, I think. This is going to be how it is the rest of the year. We've got to, we've got to turn the worm quickly here, man, and find something to talk about. Um, but they are pretty bad, and if you're listening to this, it's because you're a diehard fan. And really, so are we, because I don't know about you, Doug, but I have, if not been watching them, listening to them. Um, my first bit of advice, I've said this before, everybody should just listen to the radio broadcasts. <laughs> it's so much better John and Dave also, and when Dwayne Kuyper moves over there, they let these little things slip out. They were talking about getting drunk during the Milwaukee series because of all the tailgating. <laughs> and they're like, well, if this thing continues, we might have to, we might have to do a game a little, <laughs> a little buzzed. And, uh, and so you'll get a lot of uh, running jokes throughout an inning, or, and you'll get it on TV too. But, you know, TV has, it's overpowering with the visuals. Uh, and so you, you will pay more attention to the game. And on radio, you're relying on them to tell the story. Plus, you can do stuff like wash the dishes or jog or exercise. <laughs> There's other things you can do with your life. So at the end of it, you don't feel like a slug and that you watched, um, the, I don't know, the Giants play for three hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the great thing about the radio is that TV has this veneer of professionalism that everyone just sort of instinctively understands. Like you have to kind There's so much money in this. You have to kind of act like you're professionals like everything's okay like this is normal like this is a professional baseball team you're watching and not a collection of idiots who kidnapped them stole their faces wore their uniforms and is playing out of season <laughs> and from the radio they don't feel like they have to do that they're just like we're gonna be drunk because who wants to watch this yeah uh, and, and and they will also do on radio what we wish they would do on TV. So if a player swings at a, a pitch that hits them or bounces three feet in front of home plate, John Miller will say, and that was three feet in front of home plate. What was he swinging at? <laughs> like, he'll just do that because he needs to convey to you that what he just saw, if you had seen it, you would have had that reaction. <laughs> on TV, you hear them like hold their breaths like when when stuff like that happens you know they go well they, they have to take a step back and be like i don't know what he was swinging at they have to go well he was fooled by that one it's <laughs> like <laughs> I said, the, the most you'll get on tv is andy uh swings in a pitch that hit the dirt in front of the plate yeah <laughs> he's not going to be happy about that one when he goes back to the dugout <laughs> teammates are going to get on him for that swing Whereas on the radio broadcast, would be like, I don't know what he was swinging at. Uh, he is definitely not uh, been, he's been out of sorts all game. And then they'll talk about all the other times they remember something ridiculous like that. And it feels good because then you're realizing like, these are fans talking too. Um, and l- let's do the fan thing. I, I want to bring up, I'm going to start the Buster Posey death watch. If you haven't been tracking it, Buster Posey is now 30 years of age. It's over. It's all over. Um, and he still has a, a 951 OPS after, after the series in Philadelphia. So he's actually doing fine. But he does have seven home runs and 14 RBI. And I feel like that's an important uh, thing to point out because it's June now. <laughs> and Buster Posey hasn't missed. He's missed a week of games. He's, he's probably missed eight games, maybe nine. Um, and so that's bad. He's hitting a lot of solo shots or not. Uh, he's only hit with the bases loaded twice all season. And I think he's grounded in a double plays both times. <laughs> uh, so not great. Uh, but 
Offensively, he's still putting up the numbers. I will say this, though, Doug, about the death watch, and I want you to chime in here. But yesterday in against Philadelphia, he had to play first base because maybe it was part of the plan, but he also they were saying he had like a neck problem, like his neck and shoulder were kind of bothering him. And this is this, definitely the second time in a month where the last time he didn't play and he had like a neck thing. or And so he's like, I just want to point out to everybody, but suppose he's turned 30 years of age. He's still putting up numbers baseball wise, which is great. But his he is an old man now. He is sleeping funny. <laughs> it's affecting his ability to play baseball. That is the that is the clear marker. <laughs> that's that, that's true. I mean, I'm I'm about a year older than Buster Posey, which is horrifying when I say it because he's accomplished so much, mm-hmm. and I'm on a podcast. <laughs> and you're on this podcast uh, too. <laughs> I'm on this podcast, not just any podcast. <laughs> Uh, and one night in the last week, I slept on my left side when I should have slept on my right side, and it hurt the entire next day. <laughs> and so that, that's where Buster Posey is now. Sleep on the wrong side, it's going to hurt all day. Yeah. Not a good position to be in there. Um, I, I, so basically, the death watch is, he's, he's doing fine. He's been sent, he's, he's been cleared by the doctors, and he's been sent home. uh it's i will uh we're gonna do what we've started doing now we're gonna talk about the players just go down the line of the players again it is an awful season uh and is there anything good to pull from this well we're still talking about baseball um (laughs) so there is that which that is fun eduardo nunez has rebounded that's been nice. Yes, that was exactly what I was going to lead into. Excellent, excellent work, Doug. Uh, yes, Eduardo Nunez since reclaiming third base, uh, but it seems like this is who he is, right? Because he's such a high con, he's basically an all-contact guy, that he's going yeah. to be a little streaky like this. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, it's you'll take it. He's a he's a major league player right now. So you know what? I'll take that. Yeah, anyone who has some giants who I can say he's a major league player right now. Yeah, okay, he can stay. Yeah, he's great when he's hitting line drives, and he's frustrating when he's dribbling out to third base or shortstop. Um, but he, and I thought his bat speed was a little bit quicker than it was, but maybe I was overestimating it. But he's just extremely aggressive. But I've pointed this out. He does have the ability to put together, like when he wants to to really focus and have a good at-bat. Um, but it, you know what I've decided with that, Doug? And that is, I think he does it when he fears he's not going to be able to hit this guy. <laughs> That's when he's like, you know what? I'm going to really focus because I'm going to have to try to work a walk here. Because <laughs> I don't think I can hit him. Uh, I don't think I can hit the Romo slider, so I'm just going to try to work the work the count. <laughs> um, I Denard Spann, he he came back from the DL. He's looked like a baseball player. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> One who can play like in the major leagues. And he certainly has looked sort of how he was at the the first month of last season, which was probably his only good month with the Giants. Everything else, he was just so consistently like there. And, you know, he's kind of got a little bit of life going to him. This week they're going to be in Milwaukee where he had that six RBI game. Was it the third game of the season last year? Uh, and he looked really good. Yeah. And and uh, defensively, you know, I think the Giants are just hoping he does well offensively. <laughs> hmm. uh, he's okay. Uh, stolen bases, I mean, it would be interesting if the Giants had multiple dimensions to their offense, but... You know that's not what we um, that's not what we're fans of. It's not what they do. I mean, at, th- at this point, we take one dimension. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, Brandon Belt has lost um, over a hundred points on his OPS since our last episode. So he's you know he hasn't looked um, lost at the plate, but it could be going better for him. And unfortunately, Brandon Belt gets the most scrutiny out of any player in the entire organization. Uh, probably ever. Um, I, I challenge you, the listener, and you, Doug, to find a, a more scrutinized player by the fans' front office, the front office's mouthpiece in the, in the media, Bay Area media. No one. 
I, I, no one, no, I don't know. No one who is, you know, I've seen it the other way. I've seen it with the guys who aren't that good who get held up as really great. Like Benji Molina was not that good a hitter. He was held up as like an icon for a really long time by the entire front office and media machine. And then he got traded and everyone was like, okay, we can kind of admit it. Yeah. But I don't, nothing like belt that I can remember. Um, you know, I, I irrationally hated Marvin Bernard some year when I was a kid for his offense. His offense was fine the entire time. Oh, his plate approach was know? terrible. No, 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 no. That was bad. <laughs> it's okay to hate on Marvin Bernard. He had one good year and it parlayed into like a three or four year deal. <laughs> he, he was on the team for a very long time. He was on, I mean, but he got a big, he got a big contract out of like one big year. But yes, he was on the team for a long time. But until his like last year, his his hitting was basically fine every year. Yeah, like it, it wouldn't be worth it to hate him. That's a good point. Yes. So basically, Brandon Belt is now Marvin Bernard because yeah. your opinion was the, your opinion now was certainly extremely the minority then with Marvin Bernard. Right. So Brandon Belt is Marvin Bernard. Look at this breakthrough. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> makes the most sense. <laughs> um, you know, because usually everything works out when the Giants throw expectations on a guy. It tends to work out pretty well uh, for that player or they show enough to justify it. And really, I think the fact that everyone's like, here's our 30 home run first baseman and the fact that he will never be that, at least at at t Park, is sort of the sort of the issue. Um, yeah. Any case, uh, he's still the second best hitter on the Giants, very easily, <laughs> and is not a rally killer. He also plays great defense, and he's been playing, you know, at first base and uh, on the radio. They were commenting about how he does fine in left field, like it's not his natural position, but he's got he takes pretty decent routes to the ball and. Dwayne Kuyper's convinced that if he can get to the ball, he'll catch it, which I think you and I know, or the fans, we've seen him get it to the get to the wall or get to the line and, and have a little trouble there. But in any case, he he's done everything they've asked of him except cover all their offensive flaws, which the Giants <laughs> have created by being one of the worst organizations in the entire sport now. By, by payoff, not by process, you could say. But... You have to kind of look at the results and go, is the process sound? But in any case, the Giants are in a, in a dry spell. And unfortunately, Brandon Belt has been asked to cover all that. Because remember, 2009, that was an egregiously bad offensive team that the Giants created. And in 2010, they got lucky that Aubrey Huff was something. And they had a couple of things that went well. And they finally did the Buster Posey move. But offense is not this organization's strong point anymore it has not been so the fact that they were able to get Brandon Belt who actually has power uh, and as we did we point this out that the Giants passed Aaron Judge passed on Aaron Judge but that's right the Yankee slugger who is six foot nine nice uh, and is like uh, just this humongous guy he was he grew up a Giants fan and the Giants theoretically could have drafted Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, <laughs> and they didn't. And you ha- and you have to then look at their entire roster over that same span of timing and say, Brandon Belt is and Buster Posey are their only power hitters that they've that they've pulled out of that. Now those are great players. One's a potential Hall of Famer, and one is uh, an All Star caliber first baseman. So they didn't swing and miss. I'm just saying they could have also had those other two guys. <laughs> right. And, and so you look at that and you go, why did the Giants have an aversion to pursuing power players? And I think Roger mentioned this last year and you brought it up. Like, they're not averse to it. They're just terrible at developing it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and They've so a lot of toolsy guys and then those tools sort of get rusty by the time they get to the majors. And then you're left with Roger Kieschnick. That's right. That's right. Or, or they had Adam Duvall, and then who the hell knows what happened there? <laughs> then he has, you know, 100 bad at-bats in, in 2014, and what are you going to do? He's terrible right. for us. 
That's right. Uh, Brandon Crawford. I'm going to bring this up because Brandon Crawford, to me, the expectation by the team that as he started to hit better as he progressed. First of all, it's fantastic that Brandon Crawford has basically followed a very historical route to progressing as a major league baseball player. Like he's essentially gotten incrementally incrementally better every year. But I think he what 2 years ago was like really good and I think it set the expectations maybe a little bit higher than they should have been. Still up until this Philadelphia series his on-base percentage was below 300. So you'd like to see that get over 300. But he's you know, he's now got a 723 OPS. I know OPS not not fantastic, but plays all-star defense. He's one of the best in the league. He's not he's not Corey Seager. He's not going to hit like that. Um, but he he had a pretty good couple weeks. Uh, he's he's looked okay. He had a couple of errors um, against Washington, I think. But it doesn't matter. They weren't going to beat Washington anyway. So <laughs> that's that's when I say Brandon Crawford should take things off when the Giants have no chance of winning, which is sixty percent of the time. So he has to play well 40% of the time. Um, which, by the way, if every baseball player played their best 40% of the time, that would be more amazing than anything, right? So really, <laughs> that's right. Because if, if you hit well, if you get a hit 30% of the time, you're an all-star. So imagine if you played 40% of the time as like your peak skill, you'd be amazing. Anyway. I don't so know what you're saying that, is that so your sense. expectations are too high, just like the entire fan bases are for Brandon Belt. Uh, my expectations are that the Giants can only win forty percent of the time. That's the collection of the <laughs> roster. That is the, That's it. That's the long and short of it. Like uh, I said, expectations are too high. Yeah, my expectations are too high. Uh, it really, it should be more like twenty-five percent of the time. Um, <laughs> once a you know, once a week, we should expect a Giants win. And you know what? That's exactly what we got last week. That's exactly what we got. Yeah. So uh, the Giants were nine and sixteen. They were nine and sixteen over the last fifteen games, uh, when we recorded our last one. And then after that, I'm just guessing. I I really think they were like, oh, they won two against Atlanta, so they're like three. <laughs> Come on, do math, Brian. You can do this. Three and three, three. They're three and seven the rest of the the rest of the way. All right. <laughs> um, who cares? Joe Panic. He is. Uh, he's. He has an option. <laughs> Just to throw that out there. Uh, but Joe Panic is essentially turning into dust in the wind before our very eyes. Uh, offensively, he's not really doing very much. Defensively, still making the plays. And I think ultimately, historically. That is what a second baseman is really all there. Up the middle, you should just be looking for defense. Unfortunately, the Giants don't have any good hitters anywhere else. They have two good hitters, and everybody else is basically solid on defense. So they they don't have the classic third baseman with Nunez. Uh, If you say Belt and Posey are, you know, they're they're the aberrations, that's fine. But uh, they're not getting any production from their outfield slots. That's all I'm saying about Joe Panic. You have nothing else to add about Joe Panic, right? Uh, no, his defense has been good. His offense has been bad. Yeah. That's it. It's the same thing as the stories last year, except yeah. no confession to blame it on. That's right. <laughs> uh, Orlando Callisti, which is cool if you just type his last name into Google. That's the first thing that comes up, which means that that is a fake name, right? Kaliste? I don't think Kaliste is a fake name, but it would be a good fake name. No, I mean, he created it. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. it's so completely unique. I, that's what unique means. It's unique. So it has to be man-made. That's all. Right. You, all you names like, are man-made. I'm going to put an X in there because Xs are cool, but I'm going to pronounce it like an S. That's right. And everyone's like, yeah, that's normal. Usually it's like Kaliste. Right. But, uh, yeah, in any case, he's bad. And uh, he's playing in the outfield. So, you you know, Hunter Pence came back and he hit a 111-mile-an-hour double play ball, which (laughs) isn't that just the Giants' luck? If you hit a ball 111 miles per hour, 75% of the time you get a hit. (laughs) 
that's that's it. They've got Kelby Tomlinson who uh, is there, and uh, they're trying to play him in the outfield now. They think he might be able to be a serviceable center fielder. And you know what? After the Gorky's Hernandez run, which that show will not close. I don't understand. <laughs> they just they just keep having performances of uh, of Gorky's Hernandez. Um, he has survived the cuts. Uh, Justin Ruggiano gone. These are all the outfielders, Doug. This is depressing. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, Aaron Gorgas Hill. Fernandez, like, Gorgas Fernandez is like a band who is awful, but they still somehow get a lot of people to come out to their sets, and no one has fun, and no one claps for an encore, but then they just keep doing encores anyway. Uh, so I, you know, the Giants have a lot of flotsam. They don't even have jetsam. They just have a lot of flotsam. And yeah. <laughs> you see what your problem is, Bobby Evans. No, no jets in the balance of that. <laughs> you gotta see. You, if this was a scale, you would have all the flops on this side weighing you down. You need to transfer some of that weight to jetsome. <laughs> Keep in mind, it's all a bad combination, but you need to have both to balance it out. I, I say the pitching uh, is not jetsum because the pitching is just bad. I mean, it's just bad. Except yep. for Ty Block, which we should point out, Ty Block has, uh, to the surprise of the broadcasters, but not to me and probably not to you, has done extraordinarily well as a starter this year. But that's what I expected. I mean, he throws strikes and works at a quick pace. And I was a fan of Kirk Reeder. You need those guys in there. So... Yeah. He's refreshing to watch. Even... You know, even the, the awful game he had in Cincinnati, he was still getting the ball and throwing it. Like, he wasn't taking forever. He was just, you know, whatever's going to happen, happens. Sometimes you lose. But you know what? I, I appreciate that. The Giants never win in Cincinnati unless it's the playoffs. So, to me, it didn't really matter so much. <laughs> Plus, if you're going to hold a Giants starter to their worst start, then they shouldn't pitch any of these guys. <laughs> Literally none of them. Yeah. Um, Matt Moore has looked like a, a train wreck humping a nuclear holocaust. Um, I don't know why that would happen. That's not a good... It looks like a nuclear holocaust uh, humping a supernova. He's looked just tremendously awful. <laughs> there's, there's, He's looked good at the plate. <laughs> but uh, it, it's extraordinarily frustrating to watch a left-hander who throws 94 with a, a decent curveball. But really, if you if you look deep down, is Matt Moore that great? Well, he has been great, but he has been very bad this year and extremely disappointing and really hangs them out to dry <laughs> whenever he gets on the mound at this point. Um, I'm just looking at yesterday's box score to get the rest of these names. Derek Law had a really rough outing, um, probably in some part because... Bochi didn't want to empty out his... He didn't want to deploy the whole bullpen because he couldn't. Um, and we'll get to that later. But, uh, you know, Osich, I'm not a big Josh Osich guy, but that just means he's going to be on the Giants for seven years. <laughs> and Corey Guerin, uh, he's he's been... The fact that I don't think about him is probably the best possible compliment. Right? <laughs> His ZRA is yeah. at 166. He had a couple of strikeouts yesterday. Uh, he's fine. Uh, forcing him into the get the double play to get us out of the inning role. I'm glad they've sort of abandoned that and are giving him clean innings. Uh, I think the Giants probably just have too many relievers who can't come in in the middle of an inning and get an out. And I'd say that most relievers, most pitchers couldn't do that unless you're a strikeout pitcher. And the Giants don't really have many strikeout relievers. I'm trying to think of one who would definitely qualify. And I would say, theoretically, it should be Derek Law and it should be Hunter Strickland. But Derek Law, I have said, I've seen as like, this is great. This is found. He's cheap and, the, and he's no worse than any Giants reliever that they pay a little bit more money to. And he's young and so he can develop. So he's, that's his baseline. Hunter Strickland should probably be a strikeout pitcher. But he's not. He's just trash. 
uh, George, <laughs> George Contos is, uh, is whatever. Uh, we've gone through the whole rotate. Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto is uh, duh, uh, Grant Roden's recap. You know, if he's a seven inning, three earned runs a game pitcher, it's a 385 ERA. That's great. It probably keeps him on the Giants next year, which I didn't realize that people were still clamoring for. I, I was fine with the two years and gone. There should be more two-year deals in baseball. Uh, I'm fine with watching him go because him being on the team next year is not going to make them that much better. They're they're really bad. But uh, Cueto, Moore, Samarja, you know, it's all... Samarja's pitched extremely well, but doesn't have... You know, the Giants just don't win. Uh, Giants still win. That's the story win. of the That's 2017 the Giants. You know what, Matt Cain? He's going to be on the team for the rest of the season. So, <laughs> at least Matt Cain has sort of earned the right to leave on his own terms, I guess. He got five years of... Um, he got like a five-year window to sort of sort things out for himself. Was it five years? It's like four yeah. years. And then uh, he gets to come in and, and sort of... If he pitches at least as well as he's pitched, he'll make it through the end of the year, and we'll have a Matt Cain farewell weekend, and all that stuff. And that'll be weird because he's really young still. He's got a mile, <laughs> miles on. I was just thinking about that the other day. I'm like, Matt Cain will probably be pitching somewhere else next year, and that's kind of weird. Probably San Diego. <laughs> you, either either he'll have an area of six in San Diego or an area of three fifteen in St. Louis. Those are, I think, the two options. Oh, my God, Doug. I never even considered that. <laughs> and now that I say it, doesn't it seem right? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, that's... That is it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, I was going to do Chris Carpenter, but I'm going to start with Adam Wainwright. Because it... Well, I can do Chris Carpenter. That's fine. When did Chris Carpenter go to the... Oriole or the Cardinals because Chris Carpenter was with Toronto and he had like a big old shoulder thing right and he had like his career was on the rocks and then he went to the Cardinals Matt Cain oh my gosh um, Matt Cain's 32 he'll be 33 this year um, or at the after the season's over because they're not going to the playoffs um <laughs> Not Adam Wainwright. That's not who I want. Okay, so Chris, this is actually not this is not a perfect comparison because um, Chris Carpenter didn't join the the Cardinals until he was twenty nine, but his age thirty three season, and then he had then he had all the other arm injuries as well. Oh, he had more arm injuries and he came back. In any case, you're totally right. He's going to come back and and pitch amazingly. Uh, Chris Carpenter's age 34, 35, and 36 seasons, though, was St. Louis. <laughs> Here we go. This is what we want. Come on, baseball reference. Okay. For those three seasons, he was... I'm using pitcher wins. Sorry, everybody. 44 and 22 with a 302 ERA, 665 innings, and 514 strikeouts. His ERA plus was 128. And his FIP was 320. Doesn't give me his ex-FIP, but in any case, <laughs> that's the that's what's gonna. He had he only gave up 44 home runs. That's not Matt Cain is more likely in three seasons to give up like 60 home runs, um, thereabouts. And especially in the Central, where we'll be playing Milwaukee. Sorry, you really got me on this thing, Doug. This is exactly what's gonna happen. <laughs> You're gonna call him Matt Cardinal. Matt Cardinal. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that horrible garbage week, uh, two weeks of Giants baseball is over, and we get to enjoy another two terrible weeks of Giants baseball. But we probably also, Doug, get to enjoy more terrible years of, of Giants baseball. Did, did you see this? Let me do my Jay Leno here. I, I don't know. <laughs> did, did you see this? Did you see this? Uh, Andrew Baggerly wrote an article on, on the first about asking the question, why are all the Giants, why is every single Giants minor league team in last place? <laughs> Which is a great headline. It really tells you what the article's about. Um, 
But, you know, they called up, the Giants called up Austin Slater, which we didn't even mention, but uh, congrats to him for getting a, an RBI hit on, uh, in his first major league game. That was great. Um, but they called him up, but called him up from a, a, a losing team, a last place team. And all the teams in the minors are, are last place. I don't really care about um, that part of the article. The part of the article I care about is the part where, uh, where it, according to Johnny Cueto, the Giants, to him, are perhaps a little racist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Johnny Cueto uh, has remarked that the clubhouse composition has made a definite impact on team chemistry. When I was with Kansas, when I was with Kansas City, it was a team. I think it was a very happy bunch because we had a lot of players from the Dominican. The same with Cincinnati, but here it's different. As Latins, we like to get together kind of loud and be a happy bunch. But here you look around and everyone is on their own, just sitting at their locker, very quiet, just by themselves. That's just how they are. And then. The next line that Baggerly writes is, it won't get more diverse anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Giants have been capped the last two years from offering signing bonuses in excess of $300,000 to international free agents. And that's a penalty for the $6 million they spent on Lucius Fox in 2015. And they, of course, traded Lucius Fox uh, for the nuclear reactor that is Matt Moore. And so... Basically, Johnny Cueto looks around and goes, well, there are, there, it's a bad organization because they're all losers. And <laughs> there's no, there are no Dominican players. There are no diverse players, really. And so I'm not going – this is not to start the topic point, are the Giants secretly racist, Doug? Uh, I, think the, I think we need to acknowledge the world around us and say the overwhelming majority of the people in this country are deeply racist. And that's incredibly troubling. But I'm going to go to the fairer, more capitalistic point of the Giants are so bad organizationally that from the outside, they appear to be demonically racist. (laughs) They're just incompetent. Um, Yeah, I mean, they just I wouldn't say it's it's that they're incompetent. Specifically, their Latin American scouts are incompetent. Yeah, I would say that that's it. Um, And yeah, they were hired by somebody. They were hired by somebody, and that person who hired them doesn't speak Spanish, so he can't go down and, and look at anybody. So it's tough. It's it's bad, you know. You It would be fun if they had, you know, as much as Pablo Sandoval was not a good person um, and he was very inconsistent, when he was playing well, he was fun. When he wasn't, even when he wasn't playing well, they would have the shots of him in the dugout sort of like laughing and joking and having a good time. And, you know, if he's playing like garbage, that can be kind of annoying, but it also helps with, with chemistry, I bet. And they don't have anyone like that right now. And Johnny Cueto's definitely noticed it. Yeah. And that's not good. Yeah, that is not good. Uh, and I don't have any bigger point to that. Just I wanted to point out that the Giants are in are playing so badly and things are going so poorly for them right now. That that is what's at, that's what it's creating. Because if they're winning, it probably doesn't get this dire. That's, but yeah. if they're winning, they prob there probably is a camaraderie about it. Yeah, that's that's how that works. You know, you hear that that's sort of the debate, and you you hear both sides of it. That you know this this you know somebody says this team is losing because they don't like each other, and then someone else says no, this team doesn't like each other because they're not winning. Um, and then that manifests in a lot of ways. Yeah, but I mean, you brought Pablo Sandoval. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a more obvious example: Juan Uribe. Yeah. And you know, basically, it's Mike, it's Morse and Hunter, and Hunter Pence, and both of those guys are either injured or just, you know, pecking order wise, not really the same thing. They're also bros. And that's going to be a different culture versus what Johnny Cueto is. I'm not saying that the whole uh, clubhouse has to be Dominican and Buster Posey is not some like UN of a human being to bring them all together. <laughs> but it would be interesting if they were on, if they were winning a lot and enjoying each other's company, um, what, how that would change things. And this is a perfect segue into the next subject, unless you have something else you want to add. No, I, 
I, I was about to say, you know, we've been talking a lot about racism, but you know who wasn't racist this week <laughs> was Hunter Strickland. Hunter Strickland. Hunter Strickland uh, has probably been mistaken as a racist, but really he's a, what is it? He's a hard ass or he's a hot ass? Red he's ass. A red ass. There we go. That's the term. Red ass, which is the baseball way of saying he's an ignorant bully and because he's taller than everybody and throws a, a baseball at 97 miles an hour and can kill you, we have to give him a wide berth. But I really do just want to go in on Hunter Strickland at this point, because why the hell not? He uses, <laughs> he uses his bully pulpit to air out his grievances and be a, a piece of garbage. And he blocks everybody on Twitter and doesn't have any accountability and wants to... The, the people who are always like, it happened, let's move on. Those are the worst people in the world. True, uh, I my car ran over your children and your family's <laughs> devastated, but that's I'm I apologize. It's in the past. I've moved on. Uh, he he looks he strikes me from a, the image that when he appears on TV, the energy that comes through that TV, he seems like he's actually a bad person. I'm I'm being completely unprofessional at this point because if you're still listening about 37 minutes into this podcast, <laughs> you're committed to this. And I don't think as fans we have to sit there and like every everybody on the team just because they're wearing the uniform. In fact, my fandom is such that it's like, you're wearing my team's uniform. I do have a certain standard that I want the people wearing the uniform uh, to, have, to be at. And mine is essentially, don't make me think you're a scumbag. Like, not <laughs> like Pat Burrell scumbag. Like, you would probably... Take your pickup truck and chain someone to the back of it and drag him around if this was a different situation. And I'm being completely unfair to him because why shouldn't I be? He, he's hung his team out to dry. He's held on to a grudge for three years for baseball, for damn baseball. It's a baseball game and he's throwing at this twerp, Bryce Harper. This is as much as I want to talk about the fight because, but Hunter Strickland caused a disruption for no other reason than his own selfish red ass. That's it. Yeah. You wrote about this. Sammy uh, Higgins wrote a great article about it. I loved what she wrote about it. It was a completely selfish act. And I don't, why should I respect him? Why should any of us respect him? Why should anyone in that clubhouse respect him? Cause we're teammates. I don't know. I don't <laughs> You know what? When I get when I find out I'm in a car with someone who's driving and they're drunk, I don't respect them to get me <laughs> home. I'm like, why the hell are you driving the car? Pull over. I don't want to be in this car. <laughs> that seems pretty fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird because you know Hunter Strickland put himself in front of the team when he threw at Bryce Harper, and then the team's supposed to be like, oh yeah, okay, we got your back on that. Like, this is what is that? Like. How is that the right thing for them to do? It, it's it's the camaraderie, or it's it's programmed into them from a young age. Like if there's a fight, your teammates go out there, and I don't know. Do you if do you remember Little League at all? Like there's no there's no nuance. <laughs> Someone no throws nuance. at your teammate, you go for it, and you would think that nuance would creep in with these people as they get older because they're just growing into adults. But I think we've seen that being a professional athlete really is a sustained... It's arrested development. Not the show. But, I mean, there are those jokes, too. But it really does. I mean, if you look at any pro athlete, their lives are not significant. Their personal lives, their personal growth and development is not that different from, like, ages 16 to 19. Like right. if you take a typical sixteen and nineteen year old, there's not that much difference. They have a house, they have a, they have kids. There there are certain things for some of these guys that change the dynamics for the most part. But my favorite thing is always like they are they have like the same whack sleep schedule as like a college student, you know, because of the travel. Um, and basically, they get paid to practice a, a, a sport like that's and then play it. And and that's the the sum total, and it takes up most of their day. I'm not I'm not criticizing. I'm just say, I'm just saying like 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 let's lay out the details. What do they spend most of their time out of the year doing? So 
the off season is not an escape into adulthood. It's a rest from the thing they were doing. So yeah. they're on vacation. So they're <laughs> it's like summer vacation. So they're not the growth that happens is incremental because then you still go if you're Hunter Strickland, you know, you retire to the south. Uh, and you know, and you're around you're around people who you know, whatever, culturally, whatever it is. But whatever you do personal growth wise it either gets paused or doesn't grow anymore once you go back during the season because you're with your boys. Right. Yeah, you're with your boys. You're with all these people who think really similarly to you and are going through the exact same thing where they've always been the guy and they're going to act like it. And you knew that guy in high school, listener. Okay. You knew you knew who that was. Um, and they all are that guy. And it's building on each other and creating this just feedback loop of assholes and yeah, you could call it a human centipede if you want, but that's not the point. <laughs> you know, and Hunter, Hunter Strickland gets the suspension and, uh, and it appeals it, which is absurd. Um, six games seems fair, but the bigger point is then he, <laughs> he's, he appeals the suspension, which means he's still going to play. And yet when he gets called upon, what does he do? He, he makes things worse for his team. Like his next appearance after that, one inning, gives up three hits and two turn runs. And, and really helped uh, his team lose the game. So he, he basically is a negative two war. <laughs> <laughs> but probably more because the Giants are, are going to be playing shorthanded. And... So my point is he's a shit person and he's on the team, which is a shit team. And I don't know why you need both. And the fact is that there are players on the Giants who still support him, which makes me scratch my head. Yeah, I mean, George Contos retweeted something and it was enough that I was like, really, George? What did I was retweet? Kind of it was, it might have been, I think it was CJ Nikowski saying, if you're not in the clubhouse, you don't understand Something like that. This is perfect. CJ Nikowski is the guy I definitely want to rope into this conversation. As well. <laughs> the name, not the person, because we know what he's going to say. So, yeah, pitcher, all pitchers are bullies. They're all cowardly bullies. I think when they retire, then they, be, you know, Randy Johnson goes and, and takes pictures of birds. And Pedro Martinez brings his charisma to the playoff baseball coverage. And there's always exceptions or whatever. But really, they're not. When you're a pitcher, you are a bully. And you take pride in being a bully. And C.J. Nitkowski is very much in, uh, on the line of like, Bryce Harper should be spent, suspended multiple games, more than Hunter Strickland. Because Hunter Strickland didn't do anything wrong in his estimation. <laughs> which is insane. It's insane to think that. It's so stupid to think that. <laughs> uh, a guy who has all the power. This is the part. This is the key to the, why they're shit people. They have all the control and the power. And what they choose to do with it, they think they should not be questioned or held accountable for the decisions they make because they have that power. That is what C.J. Nikowski is saying. I'm the pitcher. I have the ball. It's not a matter of trust. It's I have the power. So it doesn't matter what you think. I have the power. That's all it is. It's just that simple. And so why should we respect people like that? Because I guarantee you, they don't respect you at all. And they don't know what it means to respect someone because it's all based on fear. It's, it's not respect. It's you, you'll fear me. You'll respect me because you'll fear me. That's what it is. That's all it is. And I think those are small people. And I hope Hunter Strickland beats the hell, the hell out of me because what would that look, make him look like? Right? I, I throwing a baseball at Bryce Harper three years after he made you look like a terrible pitcher, which you probably are, and yet your team still won, and you decided that you're still going to hold on to that. If anyone else holds on to a grudge and then has a violent reprisal three years later, when the stakes are this small, this low, at a, in any other profession, it's absurd. And to put it another way... Uh, when the Spurs were going crazy about all the, you know, what happened to um, Kawhi Leonard. Did I say his name right? I'm sorry if I missed that. Kawhi, okay. 
Kawhi Leonard. I apologize. I really don't follow basketball. Kawhi Leonard. I also like the name, however you say it. It's a cool name. Um, Kawhi Leonard. But people would be, you know, the Spurs fans and, and Greg Popovich was up in arms. By the way, I only know how to say his name because he's been around for like 20 years. So. <laughs> but they were, people would show clips of Bruce Bowen on defense. There's literally a picture of him like, like, like jump kicking someone, <laughs> like just jumping across the court with his foot out to kick someone in the face. I think it was Wally Zerbiak. I can say Zerbiak. Geez, sorry, Kawhi Leonard. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the idea is that what I'm getting at is like, why isn't Bruce Bowen just, he's like enjoying dinner with his family in retirement now and like just NBA players coming in and just punching him. Like when his guard's down, because you can have grudges over sports things all the time, or you can leave it on the field like everyone else does. They train pitchers to forget about their last pitch, but why is it okay to hold on to a grudge? Isn't it more of a sign that he couldn't let it go, uh, an indication that he's a bad pitcher? Because you don't want a pitcher holding, you don't want a relief pitcher holding on to the last home run they gave up. So. I, I guess there's no you can't rationalize you can't have a, make a logical rational argument against irrational people and pitchers all athletes most people I'm being as fair as I can are irrational because when emotions are involved it's whatever but if you are this focused on something that is completely immaterial I don't want you on my team <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to root for a team where he's still on there and. I don't like the implications of of someone who acts like they didn't do anything wrong doing things that hurt the team. There, I've brought it back to sports fandom. If he doesn't <laughs> think he did anything wrong and he's hurting the team, but he did do something wrong because it's hurting the team, why would you want someone on that on the roster? And here's the part. The Giants don't need him. They're not going anywhere for the next couple of years. He, he, he offers them no additional value. Oh, uh, the Giants will have rougher... They might lose more games. They're going to lose 100 games. Who cares? <laughs> Is there really like a Strickland fan club out there where they're all wearing like little jerry-curled little things? Oh, I hate his hair too. I really don't like <laughs> pretty much anything about him. Um, his stupid face for sure. Um, you, know, yeah. you know what's sad? Is you know who they really could have traded him to? was the Nationals. Yeah. I don't think I don't see how that works. I don't see how he listens to Dusty Baker. <laughs> um, it would be funny though because Dusty Baker would use him a lot and wouldn't quite know how to use him. That'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> it would, but he, yeah, yeah. So, and also my last point on Hunter Strickland. Think back the last three years. Can you think of a crucial moment where he? Has pitched well. Uh, he like a crucial out. moment. He, he certainly he has pitched well. Inning game in in okay. Washington. Okay, so when everyone was tired because they had played two <laughs> baseball games. <laughs> okay, that's fair. You got to give it to him. You got to give that to him. Um, I but I can certainly recall like what was it Arizona last year or maybe the year before. You know, it's just like he's had certain, you know, and obviously those 2014 playoffs um, certainly hasn't been great. But in any case, um, that's me going in on Hunter Strickland. Uh, Doug, you're you're safe. And Grant, obviously, you're safe. You guys, I don't speak for either of you. I don't speak for Sammy. I don't speak for anyone on the site. I'm just speaking for myself. And I am Brian Murphy of Cambiar. Murph and Mac every morning. Every morning on Cambiar. I can't get my voice to his. Anyway, so that's uh, that's that on that. But it leads us right into our game this week, which is the Giants are awful, and let's—they're making our lives miserable to watch them. Let's make their lives miserable by coming up with some scenarios of trading them to places where we think they would be just miserable. So, Doug, just to expand the game out a little bit more, it doesn't have to be a Major League Baseball team. Okay. Um, so, I mean, right off the bat, I want to, I want to trade, um, I want to trade Hunter Strickland to, uh, coach the UC Berkeley, uh, baseball team. Okay. Cause I want him to work at UC Berkeley. 
Right. <laughs> that was just off the top of my head, but uh, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, him, him in Berkeley, it's a very bad culture fit. Uh, he would have to stay in the Bay Area and be and still have all these people who don't like him, but who have to who surround him all the time. And then he's at Cal, which is not going to be a great place for him. Nope. <laughs> um, just, just, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I could just let our minds go. <laughs> I guess another way is like he has to. Uh, I would trade him to the writing staff of season two of Dear White People. <laughs> uh, all right. I want to follow up on your article uh, that that the Giants should do a, some make a symbolic gesture of we're going to fix things by f- firing Hensley Mullins, the hitting coach. Where would you trade him? Oh, let's see. Well, that was a great article, and it got stepped on by the Austin Slater News. If you're listening, <laughs> you should go find it. it was, it's a it's a great point. I mean, that is going to be what what starts to happen if if the Giants go on like a 15 game losing streak. So. <laughs> Right, they're gonna they're gonna find someone who's not really responsible. They're gonna get rid of him. Maybe they'll finally get rid of Gorky's. Who knows? Maybe maybe not. We don't know why he's still around. So there's, there's that. a hierarchy of canning people. I mean, you've got to you got to can the can the coaches to make the manager look. You know, just protect the manager. That's how the manager protects his job. Um, player cuts are kind of that gray area. It's both. But then the yeah. GM fires the manager to keep their job. And then the VP or president of baseball operations cans the GM to keep their job. So that's how it works. <laughs> if you guys didn't know out there. So Hensley Mullins, where is he going? He, I am going to trade him to the moon. <laughs> And here's why. All those ground balls will be home runs. <laughs> here's why. And stay with me on this. Henley Mullen speaks like five different languages. You can't speak any languages on the moon. It doesn't help you there. He has to just sit and let it all fester. <laughs> um, I would trade him to... I would trade him to a team with a really good offense, to be honest. <laughs> Because if anything goes wrong, he's he's the first person that gets the scrutiny. <laughs> That's true. Like everything, like trade him to the Nationals, make him the hitting coach. That's hard. Like, if anything goes wrong, he's you know he can only fail because nothing's been broken. So why are they bringing him in? So already suspicion. Which, again, we want them to be miserable. So we don't want them thinking, you know, we don't want them on the Brewers because they're an up-and-coming team and they can excuse away, or like the Marlins, where it's like, well, they can excuse away some of the youngness and all that stuff. You want them on a team like, these are all veterans. Ryan Zimmerman does not need Hensley Mullins. Also, Dusty Baker was a very successful hitting coach. So, like, putting him there and then like, oh, the, the Nationals over this, uh, these last two weeks, they're only averaging about three runs a game which is like two runs fewer than they were averaging pre- before Hensley Mullins arrived. That'd be great. Right. Yeah, right. Like, why, why is uh, Bryce Harper's OPS uh, 100 points lower than it was a few weeks ago? What, right. what, is Newlands not doing a good job communicating with him? I don't know. The question is, has to be asked. Well, we, we've always – the conventional wisdom is uh, a hitting coach won't necessarily make your hitters better, but we never explored that they might make them worse. Right. Now here's Hensley Mullins. <laughs> All right, who do you got for me? All right, let's, uh, let's take a, a good guy who everyone likes, but who, you know, we talked about a little bit already. Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto. Um, I would trade Johnny Cueto... Uh, to an NFL team. I'd trade to the 49ers. <laughs> I, I, I feel just, like the 49ers is cheating. Trading anyone to the 49ers. Yeah, yeah that's true. You're totally ball. right. I would trade him to... Um, uh, I can... I can't, the Rams are no longer in St. Louis, so there's no terrible team there. I'd trade him to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Yeah, that's a good option. <laughs> First of all, he's in a different sport 
so the culture shock there will keep him interested. But I've now marooned him in Jacksonville, you see. And so he will be around people who feel the American League is superior because he will be living in the American League of cities. And <laughs> and he will he'll be able to ride horses. I know there's horseback riding in Jacksonville. But essentially, I'm marooning uh, Johnny Cueto in a place where he will never he will never return from. He won't be able to go to other sports or other teams. It'll just it'll be over there. And what will he be doing on the Jacksonville Jaguars? He'll be the kicker. I, I can see that. He'll he'll learn to be the kicker. <laughs> he'll learn some flexibility. Um, I mean, I guess his body type would make him more of like a what, like a fullback maybe, or a tight end maybe. No, he's too small for tight end. So fullback, like a big fullback. Yeah. This is why I say he's going to be a kicker because he's quirky. He's too quirky to be a, a lineman or like an actual NFL player. But I want to train him to an NFL team to re- make him realize that baseball is great. <laughs> See, <laughs> and I, real baseball. <laughs> I feel like the way to make Johnny Cueto realize that he's got it pretty good playing for the Giants is you don't trade him outside of baseball. You trade him to the Red Sox. Oh, because of the trap of like, I'll be with like-minded people, but then you get there and it's, you're in Boston. Oh, you're in Boston. Great. You're and in Boston. You're, no in the Hunter Stri- you're in the Hunter Strickland of cities. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he's like, he goes over to talk to Pablo Sandoval and three minutes in the conversation, he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best way. Yeah. He, yeah oh, he's in the, that's perfect. That's like a monkey's paw. I'm in the American League with superior baseball. Oh, but I'm in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the cruelest fate for everyone, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't really want to make uh, Buster Posey miserable. He hasn't done anything wrong, so I'm just going to say Madison Bumgarner. Oh, Madison Bumgarner. He, he's got a little karmic retribution. Well, I mean, he, I think putting your baseball career at risk is a pretty good... This the here's a folks listen to me. If you think I was too hard on Hunter Strickland, let's look at something else. Baseball <laughs> players should be able to do almost anything they want on their days off. And I say almost anything because I would say doing something where there is a great risk of physical injury, but put, choosing that over your responsibilities to the, to the team, I would say that Madison Bumgarner Given his stature and how important he is to the organization, et cetera, et cetera, maybe put himself in front of uh, the team a little bit with the uh, motorcycle, with the bike riding. And I think his agent might say he put the next 10 years of his career in jeopardy uh, over uh, like a couple of hours of dirt dirt, dirt bike racing. And he's probably done it before. But I would say, I would say probably a little. he should get a little punishment from that. He should be made I mean, feel yeah. a little miserable. I, w- I would say it was a little selfish, but also, honestly, it probably didn't occur to him that he could fall. Right, but he's getting closer to 30. Yeah. So that's the problem, folks. I mean, yes, there's, a, there's an umbrella under which human beings are like, I'm invincible, I'm invincible. And as you get older, you start to move out from under that umbrella. And uh, it's not that you were invincible before, it's just suddenly becoming aware. Uh, it's not great. It's not great when you have a severe injury to remind you of that. Obviously, but I think <laughs> you want it to be more subtle when you watch like a friend, and it's like, oh, that had been me. <laughs> but you know, I think that it's a good point that um, he might continue if he continues doing those kinds of activities. Then he's going to need a job where it doesn't really affect you as much. So I think I want to trade him to the gender, sexuality, and feminist studies department at Oberlin. Well, I want to know the. I, okay, Doug, I'm putting you on the spot. Why would Oberlin make that make that deal? <laughs> well, they need. You know, Lena Dunham's been giving them a lot of bad press, and so they need the opposite of Lena Dunham. All okay. That okay. I'm I'm tracking this a little bit because there's a part of me that automatically assumes. Not I quickly believe Madison Bumgarner would make a good first like statement public statement on the matter like right away it would seem like he seems like he's into this 
Like he would right. be okay with like he would go along with it because he's he'll deal with it and he'd make the best of it. So also it would be funny to make to make that movie of Madison Bumgarner <laughs> teaching Oberlin students how to play baseball. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner style. Um, okay, all right. I was that's that's pretty good. You're 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 kind of beating me here in this game. Uh, I was going to say trade him to the Dodgers. Plays <laughs> with Yasiel Puig all the time. <laughs> um, that was what I was going to say. So I really think you would look terrible in their white and blue. Oh, I think yeah. you would look terrible in their gray and blue. Yeah, that's not his color palette at all. No. Um. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> it just jumped out at me. I'm like, he would look really bad in it. <laughs> folks, this is going to be a fashion podcast this time. <laughs> He would look bad and he would look strange in pretty much any color, though. And he, outside of the it's kind of there's that bias of like outside the Giants uniform, he would not look great in anything. Um, he'd look he'd look funky and weird in the A's uniforms. That might be something like it's so extreme it might work. But uh, yeah, I'm trading to the Dodgers. I'm, I'm saying now you got to be with them. You got to be with Puig every day. <laughs> And Puig would love it. Yasiel Puig would be like, it would make his year. He would, he, he, yeah, he would take secret photos. He would, he would take a selfie of himself with Bumgarner in the background glowering at something else. <laughs> Why did Puig miss batting practice today? Oh, because uh, Madison Bumgarner got in there and just chucked a few at him. So <laughs> It would be great. And Puig would think they were friends, and Bumgarner would be like, no, why do you keep saying that? Stop. Uh, all right, that, was, that felt cathartic a little bit, punishing the Giants by trading them to... to uh, like, Hunter Pence is a, is, a, is a big Star Wars geek. Oh, I'd love to trade him to, like, you're, you're on Star Trek Discovery now, and you have to shave your head and wear a Star Trek uniform. Or, tra- or trade him to the Las Vegas Star Trek experience is reopening and you're playing Klingon number three. Even better. No, it has to be less because Klingons at least are, are tracking towards Star Wars. You have to put him on the, on the bridge where he's telling the tourists coming in not to touch anything. And, he's like, and then please, please pay attention to the main view screen where there's an important announcement. <laughs> That's it. And he has to have like, his, his hands folded and just stand there and, and be normal. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So every week we ask for your Twitter questions. And uh, I think we got a few this week. We did. It was, not, it was not a lot. It seems that people are not quite as interested in the Giants right now for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, so the first one, and so these first two are both about the brawl a week ago. First one is from Weed Detective. You all know the mm-hmm. Weed Detective at WolfmanZach415. Mm-hmm. If Morse hadn't gotten in the way, how awesome would the hit have been that Samarja was about to lay on Harper? Uh, I've never... I've, with very few exceptions, there have been very few big... What, I guess I'm saying is there have been very few baseball brawls where there have been really big licks landed which means that if that had landed, it would have been the second in the series. It was Batista and... and yeah, um, So that would have been part two. So now we would have start, it would have started a trend. <laughs> so it's probably a good thing it didn't happen, but I don't know. I, I think... Yeah, he probably... He would have... Harper would not have been aware. Samarja so would have heard him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was, was going to be a big hit. Um, I don't know if it would have been awesome because it's... Like, not to say Harper should have charged the mound, but it's a little weird to hit him for going after the guy who attacked him. Right. Like, I think what happened was what should have happened to the Giants for them being idiots. Sorry, folks, I'm not yeah. on the side of the Giants in this case. Uh, I, I think also concussions are extremely serious. Uh, however, Jeff Samarja giving his own teammate a concussion by just colliding together instead of instead of uh, hitting Bryce Harper, who got hit by a baseball by a small person, I think that everything played out exactly as it should have for the Giants. <laughs> yeah. 
So then uh, the next question from Mike Foster at Scout 6, and it is related, follow-up, was Morse actually protecting Harper? I don't think so. I think he. I think they just missed. <laughs> well, but that, that gives me an interesting sub-question. Out of all the Giants players who might consider defending Harper, Morse would be on that list, possibly. Morse would be number one. Um, maybe Stan. You put a number one. Okay. Span would be on that list, I would think. Uh, maybe Melanson. Like, I don't know how these guys got along with Harper when they were in Washington, but... Yeah, I mean, Melanson wasn't there maybe long enough. That's true. I could see Span doing it, though, because the, the outfielder thing, and hey. probably didn't mind him, and yeah, I could see that. Yeah, those are... Melanson probably, I just feel like he's still trying to figure things out. He's like, am I good? Am I, am I actually good? Am I going to be on this team for the rest of the year? Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Buster Posey was kind of on that list, if we really were to be honest with ourselves. <laughs> um, uh, Buster Posey was Batman. I don't, I don't, I won't, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Right. <laughs> you're, you, By the way, is, you, you started ahead. this train going, and you're going to go down with it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, is very anti-Batman. Batman would still save Ra's al Ghul. That was pretty stupid. But in any case, that was uh, Christian Bale then. Right. Um, unrelated note, uh, note, it is uh, on Netflix, The Prestige, another Christopher Nolan movie, Christian Bale. Uh, it's 10 years old this year, which is weird. And it's really good because I watched it again last night. So I'm recommending it if you haven't seen it out there. It's really good. <laughs> good movie. Uh, then yes. The next question, I think the last one, is from okay. Cal at Not Really Calvin, who asked, is there a McCubby Croncast merch available? And if not, is there an ETA on that? Well, I think we'd be shut down if we put up a shirt that said, Hunter Strickland Vanity Searches on Twitter. So otherwise, <laughs> I don't know what it would be. Uh, that is a great shirt idea, Doug, and I think you should do that and do a limited run because if there's only going to be about 1,500 people at AT&T Park for the rest of the year, and if all of them are wearing it, it's going to be really funny. That's and true. Can you imagine like when they do those interstitial shots of the arcade of the people walking through the crowd or whatever on, on the NBC Sports broadcast or whatever the hell it's called now, um, <laughs> that they're going, to see, they're going to see that shirt on there and people are going to wonder... So, Doug, you just came up with it, so go make some money. Okay. I would say the merch is ETA never, but uh, I don't think we've, either because we, we suck or I suck or whatever, I don't feel like we've come up with things that you can merch out. You just came up with a great one, though, but that's because you sat and thought about it for a second. <laughs> But like right. we don't have any running, we don't have any running jokes or anything like that. So, <laughs> or like phrases, uh, Boston is the Hunter Strickland of people or of cities. Maybe that's something, but I don't think so. <laughs> uh, and also, most fans are blindingly devoted to all the players on the team, so they'd be like, "Boston's awesome." Like <laughs> they saw that. Sh- <laughs> anyway, don't be that fan. And thanks for your questions. Those are good. Those are all good questions. Doug came up with something. He's going to make a million dollars off of it, and then, and then start his own Brazoni Empire. Yeah, Zempire, Brazempire, Brazempire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So thanks again for your questions. At Croncast is our Twitter handle. You can send us your questions there. I have my own Twitter handle. Doug does too. Uh, you can find us on there. We've said it so many times. Um, if you have any feedback, leave it in the comments below. <laughs> no one ever does that. Um, and we'll be back next week when the Giants will have lost. Well, they're, playing the, they're playing baseball teams, so they're probably not going to do very well. Um, <laughs> just remember, 100% of the time, the Giants win 40% of the time. So that is where I leave you there. Doug, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, just because, you know, don't cry because the Giants lost. Cry because the Giants lost and they wasted your time, too. <laughs> Listen to the radio broadcast. You will feel less time wasted. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Thank you.